0: Dare to self care. I'm Jen, lifestyle YouTuber, and your host of this podcast where we dive deep with insightful guests to find out how self care has played a role in their success. Welcome to our community. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our community. My voice is a little raspy once again. Anytime I go out, that happens, but this weekend, it was because it was one of my childhood best friend's wedding weekend. So I just want to dive right into what was in alignment and out of alignment for us this week. If you're new, we do this every single week. I will reflect on my week. You guys reflect on yours and feel free to throw it in our Geneva group chat and our community over there. And let's get into it. So what was in alignment for me this week? As I just said, it was one of my best friend's weddings and it was one of those friends that you know, I remember us being little and her talking about how she only wants to be a mom and a wife, like from when we were a young age, like I have vivid memories just sitting in her bathroom and her talking about it. She's one of those. And she found her perfect person. And it was just the most beautiful weekend. And I got to spend it with all of my favorite high school friends and not favorite as in I had favorites but as in like they're some of my favorite people and it was just incredible having quality time and seeing one of my best friends get married being by her side as a bridesmaid it was so so amazing so out of alignment this week honestly I just really need to get back into a routine I don't have one honestly like I haven't had a strong routine since leaving my PR job because now I have no corporate ties and I'm like Fully working for myself. And I mean, other than working at Rumble a few times a week, but I just need to get my footing again. Honestly, I don't have plans this weekend and Ethan is away. So I'm hoping to have one of those coffee shop dates that I have with myself, like on Sunday. I usually do that when I feel the need to just reset. And that is what I feel is needed. I need to reset reschedule, get some sort of structure going. And honestly, all of the inconsistency has made my stomach flare up. I was just in a Y7 class right before this, which is a hot yoga class, and I barely did any of it because one, I think I'm dehydrated from this weekend and how gross it is outside in New York City. But also my stomach, I mean you would have thought I gained a hundred pounds. Like I was pregnant. I was a different person. And I still made it to Y7 because I had it scheduled and I've just been bloated since this weekend. And then I had some granola and it just like totally flared up right before I went. And yeah, so I just took it easy and it just affects my posture, my mental health, how I view myself. And I just feel kind of gross. So Ethan's not really going to be home much this week and it's just me here. So I'm going to try to take it. As an opportunity to cook some healthy meals, slow down, reprioritize things, and just get back into the swing of things because I feel really out of sorts today. But hopefully, we'll get back there. I'm just exhausted from the weekend and feeling bloated. But, you know, when things go downhill, they always go uphill. So we'll just reprioritize health. And honestly, this episode, just as a perfect segue here, this episode really allowed me to understand the importance of stress management and, like, what doctors truly mean when they say, oh, manage your stress levels. That'll help. And, like, we kind of dive into in this episode what that actually means and how to actually do that and how it actually affects your health. So I'm just really going to try to prioritize that this week. But let's breathe in what was in alignment for us this week and breathe out what was out of alignment for us this week. (sighs) Okay, product recommendation for this week. I have been loving the Say Beauty Cream Blush. I dab it like all over my cheeks and I blend it in with a beauty blender. And for this week's wedding, I also used a mix of my powdered blush from Benefit. I have like the Dandelion one and another one. I think it's called Rockstar or something. And I just have like 10 pounds of blush on my face. But they're all so subtle and light pink that you... It's not like that in-your-face kind of blush. You would never really know, and it just looked so beautiful. So that's my product rec of this week. The guest of this week is Tamar Samuels. She is the co-founder of Kulina Health. She is a registered dietitian. She is a certified dietitian nutritionist. She has her master's degree in clinical nutrition, Her unique and holistic approach to healthcare integrates functional medicine, positive psychology, and behavioral change techniques pulled from her training in clinical nutrition and coaching science. She's helped countless people transform their relationship with food and their health to overcome a variety of health conditions. Her journey to becoming a dietitian started when she started restricting her diet to manage food sensitivities and chronic IBS. Fed up with the years of ups and downs with her health, she began a life-changing journey to heal her relationship with food, her body, and her health. We will get into all of that on this week's episode. Her work in private practice includes treatment of disordered eating, stress management, PCOS, and sustainable weight loss. So I do just want to put a trigger warning out there. We do talk about, you know, your relationship with food, especially through when you're going through something like food sensitivities, IBS, SIBO, PCOS, all things like that. So Just want to give you a little trigger warning here, but let's get into the topics of this week's episode. As I just said, we talk about navigating and healing from SIBO, IBS. We talk about the correlation between mental health and gut health, where she starts with clients on their healing journey, the difference between functional medicine versus, say, a primary care doctor or a GI, how to actually work on stress management, how to get past being intimidated by your doctors and actually advocate for yourself on your health journey, how to find the right dietitian for you, top tips for managing PCOS, top tips for managing SIBO, IBS. We get into it on this week's episode, so please don't forget to leave us a review on Apple. I would be so appreciative. Watch our video podcast over on Spotify, and let's get into the episode. Pause in the episode to share with you our sponsor of today's episode, which is Evolve by Erica. If you have been following me on any social media platform for a while, you know that this is my program that I use for kundalini. So Evolve by Erica is an app; it's a website where you get anywhere from five-minute audio meditations to over thirty-minute kriya meditations. I have learned so much about kundalini breath work through her program. She has live meditations every Monday morning with the whole community on Zoom, camera off. And it is such a, an amazing way to hold yourself accountable. And this practice has truly allowed me to strengthen my intuition. It supported me through the hardest of times and the most transitional periods of my life over the past few years. And you can hear more about my journey with Evolved by Erica if you head over to her podcast, Evolved by Erica, because she had me on the podcast and we spoke about my entire story and really how Kundalini has played such a huge role in supporting me through my journey and listening to my gut and strengthening my intuition and just becoming mentally stronger. So, I love this program because not only does it give you quick to lengthier meditations every single morning and schedules to follow, but you're also part of a larger community and you gather every single week. And she has such an approachable way about her with Kundalini. Like it's such an approachable, casual, yet impactful way of teaching kundalini so we have a discount code you with my code gen 10 or just click the link in the show notes i'll have it below and the code should already be applied for you but you'll get a seven day free trial of the app and the program and you will also get 10 percent off your first month of the program by signing up with me so click the link below use code gen 10 and start your kundalini journey with me let's get back into that hi tamara welcome to the podcast
1: Hey, Jen. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Of course. I'm really excited to talk to you because I just learned after we had already booked this recording and everything, I just learned that you had SIBO and (laughs) I was diagnosed a few months ago. I did the Zyfaxin. I'm now working with Parsley Health. Like I just have so much to dive into with that.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry that you have SIBO. Thank you. really a tough Condition to manage. I feel like it is being diagnosed more and more. I thankfully haven't had it, um, since 2017, which is great because I had it for like several years. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's coming back. So
0: (laughs) So much to dive into there before I forget, because now I have like 20 questions. What is your top self-care tip that's played a role in your success?
1: leaning on my support system. Um, is something that I'm doing now more than ever. I um, am a new mom. I am the co-founder of a startup and I just moved to a new state. So there's a lot of changes and there have been a lot of changes happening and it takes a village. <laughs> so I'm, I'm using my village. <laughs> That's my best Form of
0: self care. <laughs> I love that using your village. That's amazing because also it's it's hard to ask for help sometimes, especially when you're starting a new business venture. It's like you want to feel like you have all the answers, or you want you have like pride because you want to do it all your, all yourself. But actually, relying on your network and using your resources is the best thing you can do.
1: Yeah, totally. I think it's one of those things that you know is really difficult for um, people who are really like ambitious and, and, you know, work really hard and want to do everything themselves. But at the end of the day, like asking for help is not like a sign of weakness. Um, it's actually a sign of, um, empowerment and being smart and knowing your limits and knowing your boundaries and knowing what you're capable of and what you need support to do. So I encourage everyone out there to, you know, just reach out. (laughs) <laughs> reach out if you need someone.
0: <laughs> yeah. It means you're self-aware and self-awareness is truly the key to success. So I completely agree with you. So <laughs> taking it back to SIBO then, I'm so curious, your personal journey with it. And was it before you became a nutritionist? Did that sort of make you want to become one? Like what's your my, story? My
1: um, nutrition training Um So, my nutrition training journey was really long because it was a, I changed careers. I originally wanted to be a therapist. Um, And so, when I decided I wanted to be a dietitian, I actually had to, I had already had my BA in psychology um, or my BS in psychology, and I had to take these classes are called uh, DPD classes, so I had to retake all of these undergrad science classes before I then was able to uh, apply for my dietetic internship and my master's degree, which I took at the same time. <laughs> so it took me seven, it took me about three years to become a registered wow. dietitian because of that process. And so when I was taking my DPD classes is when I found out that I had SIBO. It was when I was diagnosed with SIBO. So. I was in the process, but it was a very long process, and I had an amazing GI doctor who was ahead of her time in terms of the SIBO world. She, you know, this was way back in around, I believe, 2015, um, and she's like, "There's this this medical condition called SIBO, <laughs> <laughs> and there's not a lot of research, and we don't really know how to treat it. But these are, you know, the medications that we have. This is a diet that we have utilized, although there wasn't that much research on the diet at the time for SIBO. So yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, the one thing that she didn't do was refer me to a registered dietitian (laughs) to be able to help me uh, to manage my SIBO from a nutrition perspective. She did tell me about the low FODMAP diet, but she didn't Get me to an expert <laughs> to help me to understand that diet and manage um, that diet and go through that diet in a way that's actually like supportive of, of my mental health <laughs> and my physical health. So here I am.
0: <laughs> totally, because I've done low FODMAP, I've done it all, and it it really does take a toll on your mental health because it gives you, or at least for me in my personal experience, like. I'm someone who's always had a really healthy relationship with food and then all of a sudden trying low FODMAP and then recently low sulfur diet and all these different oh, things wow. that are more restrictive I had heightened anxiety around food and even still like I if I'm going to go out or I'm have some situation where like I really want to feel good in my body and not have a stomach ache or not have gas I then have heightened anxiety around whatever I'm going to eat which then is directly correlated with it's like a cycle because then I have bad gas and a bad stomach ache because of my anxiety. So yeah. <laughs> it's true. Like it, that support is so needed.
1: Yeah, exactly. That was very similar to my journey, except unfortunately I didn't really have the best relationship with food starting out. Um, it wasn't amazing, but certainly being on the low FODMAP diet for as long as I was, I was actually on it for a little over a year, because again, oh I wasn't working with a registered dietitian. I was sort of just trying it, and it worked. Um, but I wasn't working with someone to say, "Okay, now we have to like reintroduce, reintroduce. the diet." My doctor yeah. was literally like, "Google the low fodmap diet." Oh my god!
0: <laughs> and, Honestly, know- good on you for being able to, even though you didn't do it like in a way where you started reintroducing and figuring things out. The fact that you did that for a year—that's well, a lot.
1: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. It's like the research actually shows that you shouldn't do the low FODMAP right. diet for an extended period of time because it is low in fiber, right? And you're missing out on key nutrients from a variety of different healthy produce um that you would normally get um for from things like avocado and broccoli and cauliflower and um, you know, I, I even now I find that I tend to lean on the low FODMAP vegetables even though I Uh, I'm completely fine with consuming high FODMAP vegetables, but it's just because I did it for so long. um, I tend to gravitate towards those. And so it's just a great example as to how important it is for you to work with someone on, if you're going to do a therapeutic diet, you have to work with a healthcare professional, a registered dietitian on really, um, you know, systematically utilizing that diet to support your health and then working on liberalizing your diet so you can have a better quality of life, right? Because restriction literally drives us crazy.
0: No, (laughs) truly. I thought I was, you know, when you're like super hormonal and you're like, what is wrong with me? I think I'm a crazy person. That is how I feel when I'm doing like the elimination diets because my anxiety is just so heightened.
1: Yeah yeah, you know, we all have to eat multiple times a day. And so like, if we have this fear of food, not knowing if it's going to trigger symptoms, that can be extraordinarily anxiety producing several times throughout the day. Yeah. (laughs) And as you said, that anxiety can then produce symptoms that the food isn't necessarily producing. So it's it's challenging.
0: And so when you're talking about like the low FODMAP vegetables and whatnot, I want to dive into like, how nutrition can support someone with SIBO or with IBS because I find it super tricky. As I mentioned before, I'm now, you know, going through the motions with parsley health. I tried Zyfaxan didn't really work. So now I'm going like the holistic route, you know, oil of oregano and all of these things that are working together, you know, from my stool test. And Mm -hmm. after doing a deep dive into my microbiome one of the things that the health coach was saying was like, okay, so we need to fight your candida bacteria. And then I forget the word for the other thing. What is it called? I have it written down here. Ackermansia bacteria.
1: Okay. (laughs) Okay. I'm low in that.
0: (laughs) Point being, she was like, so you want to eat cruciferous vegetables to help fight off this certain bacteria. And then I'm having anxiety because I'm like, but you're not supposed to eat cruciferous gassy vegetables when you have IBS or when you have SIBO. So I guess my question is like, how do you know, how do you find like an individualized approach to what's going to work for your body?
1: Yeah. It's so interesting because I, you know, I don't know if more testing is better. Um, I think that having, you know, a certain level of knowledge into our microbiome, for example, is valuable, but we don't have that much research to one show that those tests are validated to, to do, um, you know, know what to do with that information. Right? right. So I think it's really important for us to start with the basics and not overcomplicate things. You know, your body better than, anyone, right? And it sounds like most people who have a GI condition are pretty in tune with what their triggers are because they've been on a ton of elimination diets. And so personally, I think it's really important to actually come at it from an approach of like, what can we add in that is the path of least resistance, right? So what do you know makes you feel good when you have it, or at least doesn't make you feel bad when you have it, right? And so even though Broccoli is a high FODMAP diet. Um, technically you can have, I think, a quarter cup of broccoli as part of like a, the low FODMAP protocol. Regardless of FODMAP, what how do you feel, Jen, when you have broccoli? Right. <laughs> and right. That that's a hard question because I'm sure it depends, right? If you have too much broccoli, you probably don't feel great. If you have broccoli and cauliflower yes. and other things, other, you know, um fructo oligosaccharides or or oligosaccharides or polyols, right? Like It's possible that you feel a lot worse, right? So it's 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 really about about context, and um, I think trying to figure out ways to diversify your diet um, to make you feel like you're not so restrictive is really the goal. Um, So that's sort of how you you approach it from a personalized perspective, right? It's it's there's a lot of things that go into personalization. There's mental health, as we talked about earlier, right? If eliminating bro- broccoli stresses you out so much cuz it's a huge part of your diet then that's actually going to cause more GI discomfort than eating the broccoli itself for a lot of people. Right. So <laughs> like how do we create yeah. a plan even though we have you know this evidence-based protocol that tells us okay broccoli is high fodmap how do we create a personalized plan for you based on your lifestyle right and maybe we can be flexible. <laughs> I think flexibility is something that people really struggle with when they're when they are coming out of an elimination diet um, and just having, you know, these experiences with food sensitivities and it it can be challenging, but it's really important. I mean, for me personally, I'm always retesting stuff. Always. Um,
0: Really? Always. (laughs) So you said that you're like, you're healed from SIBO, right? So, you know, if you took a test, it wouldn't come up positive for SIBO, but do you still struggle with gut issues or do you feel that, you know, from the information you have and the journey you've had that you truly are healed?
1: So I definitely have, um, in, it's really interesting because this is a, a part of the picture too, is that since I had a baby, my gut has been much, much better. So clearly there are some hormonal interesting. Um, issues at play related to my gut. Yeah. The thing is it's It's like, do I need to really do all the testing to figure out what hormones are impacting what? I'm like, you know what? I just feel better. Roll with it. (laughs) Yeah. Like I've been down, Jen, I've been down this road before Uh, when I was in my 20s. I I literally tried to figure everything out. I went to every specialist. I went to, you know, naturopaths, functional medicine doctors, GIs, motility specialists, rectal doctors. I literally got every single test that you can imagine I mean I've been poked and prodded I went to pelvic floor PT <laughs> I went to chiropractor like I wow I did everything and you know again the con- I went the conventional route I went the the non-conventional route I did physicians. I did allied health professionals. I did like woo-woo doctors. And at the end of the day, what I learned from that is that that experience was so stressful that it made my symptoms a lot worse Um, and I was able to kind of get to this place where I am today, which is really valuable to my mental health and also my physical health, which is, you know, sometimes when I eat certain foods, they trigger me and I, you know, know what those foods are and I can choose to be triggered by those foods physically. I'm just like deal with the discomfort if I want to experience that food, Um, you know, that's just a part of it. Like if, if I eat gluten, like I have brain fog for uh, 24 hours. (laughs) Uh, That's crazy
0: (laughs) that you can pinpoint that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it helps to be a registered dietitian. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) like Can you go inside my body and brain and tell me what my
1: triggers are? (laughs) Well, that's, that's the thing, right? It's like, that's why it's so important to have the guidance of, um, someone who knows what they're doing and who is not just. Able to put you on a protocol, but actually have a personalized approach and really understand from experience, either personal experience or patient experience, really understand what is necessary for you to follow. Because we have these evidence-based protocols like the Low FODMAP diet, um, but often with my patients, I'll just who who have IBS, I'll just start by getting a, an assessment of foods that they know that they've identified that. Um, you know, trigger their symptoms. Right. And then we'll sort of decrease intake of those foods. If they feel better, then we'll just just stick with that. If they don't feel better, then we'll add more foods to eliminate. Right. So instead of starting with eliminating everything and, and then adding stuff back in, I just start by kind of working on a few things that I know might be the problem. And if it, if it works, great. Um, SIBO is a little bit different because, you know, we don't want to, IBS and SIBO are a little bit different because we, yeah. we have this sort of post treatment, um, or during treatment protocol where we don't want to like feed our microbiome with FODMAPs. But, um, you know, when it comes to managing IBS and just like overall bloating and gas, if it, if SIBO isn't the cause, we can be like a little bit more flexible in the way that we approach, um, our elimination. That
0: makes sense. And then before we continue, I, I just want to like for anyone who's listening and is like, wait, what is SIBO? Or I've seen this on TikTok. Like, what are you talking about? Can we just give like a quick, what is SIBO? And what are some symptoms you might experience that would make you maybe go and seek out a SIBO test?
1: Yeah. So SIBO stands for small intestine bacterial overgrowth. So the vast majority of our microbiome, which are microbes, um, bacteria, a variety of different um, microbes, they live in our large intestine. um, And that's important because they help us to um, support our immune system. They help us to metabolize fiber, which is non-digestible by us as humans, but the microbiome loves to eat fiber. <laughs> um, so they help to keep us regular and they also support our immune system. Right. And so the problem is when those microbes actually reflux into the small intestine and the small intestine is our primary source of absorption for our nutrients. Right. <laughs> so, uh, the challenge with those microbes come, from the large intestine moving into the small intestine is that they tend to cause inflammation in that area because they don't belong there. Um, And when you have inflammation in the small intestine, that can lead to a number of different problems um, with absorption, for example, right? The small intestinal lining is a cell layer thick. And so it can be, um, it can, it can, impact, it can be easily impacted by inflammation. Um, and so if we have inflammation within the small intestine, that can then cause issues with absorption, which can then cause a lot of those uncomfortable GI symptoms that we associate with IBS or SIBO, which are um, gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea. Um, so that's sort of like the best way that I think I can like communicate in a simple way of what sibo is.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was like sibo for beginners and I loved yeah. it. It was you know, like, so. Yeah. <laughs> and you can get a test either through a GI doctor or a functional medicine doctor, right?
1: Yeah, you need to be tested uh with a physician. I highly recommend um working with a GI um to to do so. Um some functional medicine doctors also do GI testing. Um And it's a breath test, um, and it typically involves you like drinking a solution, um, and then you know you have to do a restricted diet beforehand. (laughs) You drink the The amount of restriction. Yeah, there's a lot of restriction involved here, Um, and then you pass (laughs) again and drink the solution and breathe in to a device over the course of I think a couple of hours, Um, and then you're we're able to measure like your the amount of gas that you have and what types of gases that you have as a result of drinking that solution. And that helps us to diagnose SIBO. So um, it's interesting though, because, you know, studies have found that those tests can yield false negatives and false positives. And so we're still trying to figure oh, wow. out the best way to test for this condition. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a challenging one.
0: It's interesting because I do feel that it's mostly women who struggle with gut issues and things like IBS and SIBO and I wonder if that is I'm sh- like maybe it's connected to our hormones or just the fact that men are catered to most in our society when it has when it has come to health and wellness in the past. So it's just interesting to me. Do you have any or most of your clients women?
1: Yeah. Also, I think a part of it is that m- women are more likely to seek healthcare, um, right? And so, therefore, they're more likely to get diagnosed with m- many medical conditions. Um, so that's a part of it as well. Especially when it comes to like gas and bloating and IBS symptoms overall, right? Like, I think there is some stigma around around that, and um, perhaps that stigma is more powerful for men than it is for for women potentially. Um, Mm -hmm. and so there's, it's, it's multifactorial. It really is. I think it, it, most of my patients are women. I think that's because of my specialty. I tend to focus more on PCOS, um, which obviously only impacts women. So, (laughs) um, I think that obviously has a part of it is a part of it, but, I think overall, certainly there's a hormonal component. I mean, when we look at women who are pregnant, for example, right, our hormones change significantly. And as a result of that, we tend to get uh, constipation, right? Our uh, women have hormonal shifts during menstruation, which causes changes in our gut. Oftentimes, my patients will report that, you know, around their period, they'll get more constipated or have more diarrhea. And so we know that yeah. there is a hormonal component related to our gut motility. Um, and so certainly there's a connection there with SIBO and IBS too.
0: Very true. Okay. You just had me think of like four questions that popped into my <laughs> mind. So great. Like, I got to like rapid fire them. So first of all, what is the main difference between a functional medicine doctor and a doctor like a GI?
1: Great question. So, a GI doctor specializes in gastrointestinal diseases, right? You could be a GI and also be a functional medicine doctor. Functional medicine is really how we approach treatment. Um, And so, when we're thinking about how we treat our patients, one perspective is from a functional medicine perspective, and that is understanding the root cause of disease, um, and treating the root cause versus just treating the symptoms. Um, and so I like to use it like supplements doesn't have to be utilized as part of a functional medicine approach. They often are, but it doesn't have to be, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. it really is thinking about, you know, the root cause of disease. So I like to use diabetes as an example. Um, and this isn't true for all endocrinologists, um, but if we kind of compare the two from endocrinologists specialize in hormones, most endocrinologists treat a condition called type 2 diabetes. And um, unfortunately, uh, physicians don't get that much time with their patients. And so it can be really difficult to provide comprehensive behavioral modification support, diet education, right? (laughs) Lifestyle education, stress management support. You see your doctor for 15 minutes, you know, once every three months, if you're lucky. Um, And that's part of like a larger problem. But (laughs) um, I know, you know, certainly there are many physicians who go out of their way to spend a lot of time with their patients. um, And, and because it's important for their care, but it's, it's not something that we have the ability to do, uh, you know, at scale under our current healthcare model, which is right. sad. <laughs> right. um, that being said, often, um, you know, treatment of diabetes is, the focus is really u- utilizing medication like metformin or ozempic, or uh, there's a variety of different types of medications. Um, the more advanced being um, insulin. And that is what we utilize to treat type one diabetes. Um, but if we're looking at chronic disease, type two diabetes, um, we don't utilize insulin unless we absolutely have to, which is, you know, when the disease progresses um, and we haven't been able to stop that progression. And so, from a functional medicine perspective, we might do all of those things. We might prescribe the medication. You know, dietitians can't pres- prescribe medita- medication, but we'll also address the root cause, right? Which is genetic and we can't address that because we can't change <laughs> our genes, but we can address the diet and the lifestyle. And that has a significant impact on the progression of the disease as a whole, right? And so when we think about functional medicine, we're really thinking about um, treating the root cause, right? Knowing that we have these tools like medications that help us, but they're not the only tools and we need to address this more holistically and and really prioritize the, the lifestyle component that helps to support better outcomes. So that's sort of the difference. Yes. Theoretically. That makes
0: <laughs> a lot of sense. Do you believe, or do you find in a lot of your clients, no matter what the, you know, issue at hand might be, whether it's, it is SIBO or PCOS or whatever it might be, do you find that stress really contributes To almost every form of dis-ease in the body and how do you help with stress management because sometimes it's just like a doctor is like reduce stress and you're just like left (laughs) like uh (laughs) can I quit my job like I don't know (laughs) like how to actually approach it in a way where it can truly make you feel better holistically
1: yeah, it's such a good question because I have certainly had that experience and it's been really disempowering for me. Like, well, you're just stressed out, so you need to work on that. I'm like, that's not gonna help. Right, <laughs> right. That's not gonna help. But yeah, to answer your question, stress is a contributing factor to several chronic diseases and um, can exacerbate autoimmune disease. Um, stress alters the hormonal environment and our body, um, and it interacts with our immune system. And so it can lead to inflammation and inflammation can lead to a number of different chronic conditions, um, you know, um, um, among other conditions. So stress is an important health risk factor, uh, that's very well researched. Um, so we do need to, if stress is, um, a challenge for you. Right. We do need to address that in order for us to support your health physically and not just mentally. And having tangible tools and strategies to do that is really important. Um, instead of just saying like, you need to stress less, what I do and what, you know, we train our dietitians to do at Coolina Health is to work with the patient on, you know, understanding where their stress is coming from, right, Um, and ways that we can help to support to relieve that stress um, in very practical tips, right? So, Jen, you mentioned that you feel pretty stressed because you're restricting all of these foods and you're taking all of these tests. (laughs) and you're scared to eat broccoli. (laughs) And I live in New York City. (laughs) New York City is very stressful. (laughs) Very, very, very stressful, right? And so maybe some of those things we can change. Maybe some of those things we can't change. Why why don't we start with the things that we can change, right? And so we can decrease your stress load overall. And we start by thinking about, okay, what's stressful about New York City? Maybe moving out of New York is not feasible, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but what are certain aspects of New York that you find stressful? help me.
0: Just the energy and the lifestyle of like hustling in New York City, running around from meeting to meeting to part-time job to part-time job mm-hmm. and the energy of New York. Sometimes it's stressful just to try to unwind at the end of the day in your apartment and like get a good sleep after such a crazy day with the energy of the city and the speed and fast paceness of the city, mm-hmm. it can be hard to really truly wind down.
1: Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that bouncing around and hustling and going from one place to another is in itself stressful for you, right? And that, that really shows up at night before bed. Um, yeah. and that then impacts your sleep, right? yeah, and so when we break that down, we can really start to identify behaviorally where the challenge is the challenge is jumping around from one place to another can we can we work on that? Is right. there a way we could be more realistic about our scheduling? have more boundaries around scheduling, right? like ask for more time um you know, start to kind of unpack things that you feel comfortable working on so you don't feel like you're <laughs> running around everywhere. Right. Um, and then we can talk about, you know, some ways that we can wind down at night and how we can integrate maybe time for wind down. Oftentimes we stop work and then it's bedtime, right? Yes. And so maybe we need to make more time for that transition, right? And and how can we set goals to support you in doing that? And And how can we integrate things that feel calming for you? How can we balance that heightened energy out throughout the day. So that's personalization.
0: I was going to say, I think that was the perfect example of why it is so great and important to have someone help you with your individualized, personalized health plan, because we are all different. And my schedule is completely different than someone who might live on the same block as me. So it Mm -hmm. is interesting it's not just like, here, meditate. It's like, if we actually can tease out your individual stressors, then maybe we can truly make an impact.
1: Exactly. And there's a huge difference between that and being told, like you said, you need to meditate or you need to stress less or here's like an elimination diet that you can follow.
0: I'm like (laughs) triggered every time we say that. Never again. And also just to give a little personal anecdote of how important it is to communicate With your health coach in return, I had to tell my health coach after doing low sulfur and all of these things, I just tested, I'm not celiac, I'm not allergic to wheat, like any of these things, I don't have something that I need to absolutely cut out. So it was like, is there any way we can stop with the restriction because it's causing way too much anxiety for me and focus on like adding things in? So for example, like I'm doing a shot of apple cider vinegar and water every day to help fight some of that bacteria. Like I'm personally do much better. Like I get more excited to add things in and try new things out than to try eliminating things because I know myself and it's anxiety inducing. So I think that's also just an interesting conversation and tip to be communicative in return as well?
1: Yeah, I think it's really hard, especially as women, for, to, for us to self-advocate, especially in the healthcare space. Um, you know, we have this, this sort of like expert intimidation, like this person is an expert, and they know everything there is to know. <laughs> and exactly. Like, it's scary to be able to say, actually, like, what you're telling me to do isn't working for me, <laughs> even though you're the pro. Um, and I think that's part of the problem. Um, and, and that's why people stop seeking healthcare. Um, that's why people um, don't follow through on their physician or coach led goals, or wh- whomever is sort of giving them this, um, these goals that are just not realistic for them. Right. So it has to be a collaborative process. And that's really what we do at Kulina is we really work on collaborating with our patients to set goals where our patients are an active, um, part of, determining what they want to do <laughs> in in their journey um, instead of us saying you have to do this you have to eliminate that you have to lose weight you you know have to go on the low FODMAP diet right. <laughs> we ask them like what do you want to do <laughs> and let's take it from there
0: <laughs> I love that can you tell us how if people are listening and like how what is working with Kulina look like
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, So we have a team of registered dietitians, and we all have a variety of different specialties, um, but also a variety of different counseling styles. I think it's really important to recognize that you can be a good practitioner, um, but maybe, you know, the patient practitioner fit is just not aligned, right? (laughs) Like, I know for me, I tend to you know, have a little bit more of a gentle approach. I'm really focused on behavior modification. um, And other dietitians are more focused on maybe tough love. And that's a good thing for a certain Mm -hmm. patient population. Right. And so it's, it's really important for us to have practitioners who have different, not only have different specialties, but different counseling styles. Um, so we can all find our people <laughs> and really connect with them. Yeah. Um, and so we, our process, well, we we take insurance, and so our process is, you know, we verify your insurance and um, make sure that you are covered. We are a virtual company, so we uh, provide telehealth. Um, before you meet with us, we want to know everything about you, so we ask you to fill out a comprehensive intake questionnaire, and that questionnaire has a ton of information about your relationship with food, your food preferences, exercise, stress, mental health, uh, cultural preferences. It's really important for us to be able to provide culturally competent care. Um, And, you know, I think the perfect example of that is my husband is Filipino and um, he, rice is a really important, white rice is a really important part of his culture. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think a lot of people go to registered dietitians and they perceive them as the food police and oftentimes we're giving advice like "Oh, white rice is not healthy and you shouldn't be eating that right but the reality is that like white rice can be incorporated as part of a healthy diet and it's a really important cultural food for you (laughs) so like let's let's talk about the best way to incorporate rice as part of a healthy diet right so the cultural familial social component is really important too and so we speak with our we ask our patients to kind of give us that information and we really dive into that in the initial session um so we have a really clear understanding of what you want and what your goals are. Um, And we set those goals in the initial session. And then, so we set some longer term goals and then we set some shorter term goals. And we work together on collaborating to create those goals. And then we give you all the support that you need between session, during session to really achieve those goals. So we have this nice, delicate balance between holding you accountable to the things that you said you were gonna do, but also understanding that when we set goals, they're experiments um, (laughs) and they're opportunities to learn. Sometimes we achieve them. Sometimes we don't. The goal was for us to just collect as much information about you and what works for you and doesn't work for you as possible. So we can create this tailored customized plan. That's actually sustainable. Right. So it's really important for us to have that personalization, that collaboration um, and sustainability.
0: That's so awesome. I never thought about the cultural component that you touched on, because I think some people might go to a dietitian or go to a doctor and they tell them, we'll keep using FODMAP as an example. Like you need to be eating low FODMAP. And if it doesn't work with their lifestyle, as you said, it's like you kind of have expert intimidation and then you're, you can kind of just be like, well, fuck it. I'd rather have a stomach ache and like go to my family events and eat what I want. But you're giving this approach where it's like, no, feel free to open up and tell us what are non-negotiables for you or what we would prefer to work around and what works for you so that you can actually, again, come up with an individualized approach. So I think that's incredible and something I never really thought about, like the cultural and familial component there. And before we go into the ending segment, I did just, you met, I wanted to touch on You mentioned PCOS before, and I know Mm -hmm. that a bunch of listeners do struggle with PCOS. So I just wanted to ask, how do you work with people with PCOS or like, what are some, you know, tangible, maybe nutritional tips that do work for most with PCOS?
1: Yeah, PCOS can be super challenging because there's a lot of hormones at play, there's insulin resistance at play, there's elevated testosterone at play. And so we're really kind of focused on achieving balance (laughs) because they impact each other. Um, When our testosterone is high, it's usually related to our insulin being high um, and which is typically related to something happening on the insulin resistance level. And so I think it can be really important to focus on consistency with PCOS often, my patients who have PCOS tend to go a little extreme with, like, their workouts, for example, um, and knowing that having these really intense workouts tends to actually throw your hormones off more, but they're working out so intensely because it's really hard for them to lose weight, <laughs> right? So right. Um, it's a very delicate balance. Um, and so I tend to, again, it's super personalized, but really focus on. Supporting the insulin resistance, making sure that we're having frequent meals with protein, adding produce and fiber to all of our meals, um, exercising consistency consistently, but without overdoing it. Um, it can be helpful to add in, for some patients, it can be help, helpful to add in um, like a supplement protocol for PCOS um, or like even metformin. Um, can be valuable, um, and then really focus on on combating inflammation can also be helpful. Um, so again, we can sort of do the same things that solve a lot of problems. So it doesn't have to be overly complicated. You know, the very basic eating three meals, one to two snacks with protein, and adding in produce with all of those meals and snacks helps with insulin resistance. It helps with inflammation. (laughs) Um, It helps to stabilize your blood sugar, right? So even though PCOS is complicated, that one strategy can help to um, make all of those other um, symptoms a lot better.
0: Okay. Now I selfishly want to ask because that was so great. Just if you have the same like very quick tips for SIBO, anything like that.
1: SIBO can be challenging because it's when you are are um symptomatic sometimes and when you're inflamed everything hurts. So what I have found to be most helpful for me with SIBO is to work on the stress management piece um and really just be mindful and intentional about you know having consistent meals. Um they say with SIBO, you don't want to be grazing all day. Um, And so having like three meals again, (laughs) and like maybe one to two snacks can be really helpful. Um, Making sure that you're having protein. And I think planning really helps with SIBO too, right? Like having a plan so you don't feel stressed out. So if you're going out to eat, um, you know, researching menus um, and knowing that sometimes diet is not going to help. When you manipulate your diet and you have SIBO, it's really a way to manage your symptoms, but you have to really deal with the overgrowth um, and make sure you ameliorate that or else like all food is going to hurt at all times, right? So right. know that the dietary restrictions are really temporary and they're another way to just treat the symptoms and you shouldn't be doing them in the long term, right? So. Yeah that I think is really, was, I found to be really helpful for me and really helpful for my patients knowing like, this isn't going to be like this forever. We're just doing this right now. We can truly like modify the diet to make it more personalized yeah. to you. Also, if you need a registered dietitian, I have an excellent one who specializes in SIBO too. Oh, <laughs> amazing. Amazing to know. Amazing. Yeah. Know. <laughs> so amazing. Offline about that. yeah.
0: <laughs> I think that's exactly what's helping me too. Just knowing like I'm, I'm honestly grateful for the diagnosis because it's more of a digestive issue in total rather than like you cannot eat lactose, you cannot eat gluten, and not everyone yeah. is that lucky. So I just try to see it in that perspective of like I just need to heal this so that I can eat more like a normal person. So exactly. I agree with that mindset. Um, okay, let's get into the ending segment. Quick fun facts and favorites. Are you a reader or a podcast listener or both?
1: I wish I was a reader. (laughs) But (laughs) I'm with you. I think I'm more of a podcast listener. (laughs) Okay. So we'll
0: go with that. What's your favorite podcast?
1: Ah. I really like NPR. I'm a loser, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's called How I Built It. That one is really cool. Yeah, like, I, I love hearing that. people's stories and like what it took. Because you know everything is like so shiny and fancy on Instagram, and we're like oh my god, look at these people and like this incredible thing that they did. But the reality is that like the hustle behind that is very real. And when you hear the background stories, I think it can be really empower empowering.
0: Totally. I agree with you. I love that podcast. It's a good one. Okay. What's your favorite workout class?
1: Soul cycle. Hands down. You're a soul cycle girl.
0: <laughs> I love
1: it. I just, I just, the I know. music and it's the therapy. Life. It's, it's therapy. therapy. I get it. <laughs> I know. People are like, well, you know, you don't really burn that many calories and blah, blah, da. I'm like, I don't care. I, I don't care. do for my mental health. <laughs> totally.
0: I like that it's like not numbers driven or anything like that. It's just like yeah. beat based, they're throwing inspirational quotes at you. Like, oh, I
1: love it. So good. So good.
0: <laughs> okay. When do you feel your happiest?
1: Um, I feel my happiest when I feel deeply connected to the people that I love. Um, so, you know, we have these, we have relationships with our loved ones, but we don't always connect with them, <laughs> you know, yeah. friends or partners um or even children you know like sometimes I love my daughter but sometimes I'm like I am just not connecting with you right now you're acting crazy and she's 16 months old so of course she like will act crazy a lot but there are moments where I just feel so deeply connected with her like when I'm reading her a book um and that just brings me so much joy um so whenever I have the opportunity to connect with the people that I love is when I think I experience the most joy
0: that's such a beautiful answer. That's maybe my favorite answer yet.
1: Okay, what would be
0: your last meal on earth?
1: Oh. <laughs> it's so funny because I'm so over food. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know if I can take joy in food anymore. Because I talk about you I talk, talk about it all day. I was <laughs> so like, what would be my last meal on earth? I like savory stuff. So it would probably, yeah. I I mean, I love pizza. It would probably be like a really good slice of like authentic pizza that is just like as good as it gets.
0: Sounds (laughs) perfect.
1: I think think that would be it.
0: (laughs) Okay. Amazing. Where can the people find you and all things Kulina Health?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, guys, we have this awesome offer um we do free discovery calls so if you guys are interested in working with a registered dietitian in order for you to support your health whatever your health goals it are we have these free discovery calls where you can hop on a call with one of our care coordinators and really just like ask us questions learn more about our process you have this like custom matching experience where we can tell you like oh based on everything we discussed this dietitian would be the perfect fit for you. So you can book that on our website at Um, You can also link to it uh, from our Instagram, our handle is at Um, And then you can find me on the website. And um, I actually do discovery calls too. So if you want to chat with me, <laughs> just send a request in. Um, and you can find me, my Instagram handle is at tamarasamuels.rd. Okay,
0: perfect. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, Jen. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I would so appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate, review, and definitely subscribe so that you don't miss another insightful episode. You can also engage with the community on the Dare to Self Care podcast Instagram. So definitely join us all there. And I will see you guys next week. Bye.